0: Peace. It's not the first word we think about when we think about the state of our world. It may not be the first word that you think about when you think about the state of your, of your life right now. If we look back to the past year, many of us would perhaps use the word stress or anxiety or uncertainty or frustration or loneliness and yet Jesus said that he came that we might have peace, peace. Today we're looking at the final words of Jesus' talk that he had with his disciples just before he was to be arrested. In these final words of of this Discussion that John recorded for us in in chapters 14, 15, and 16. Jesus was trying to help them understand some things. And And he ends it by saying, these things I have said to you that you may have peace. Peace. So today as we reflect on these last words before the cross, we have a, a great advantage over the disciples for we know what was about to happen the next day as Jesus would be crucified. We also know what happened three days later when he walked out of the grave, conquering death and giving us the hope of the resurrection. And so today, it's, it's my desire that we all understand this passage And have a peace that's not based upon simply a wish or a desire or a fantasy. But a peace that's grounded in who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us. Jesus said that he was giving us peace not as the world gives How many times have we heard politicians promise peace? But look today at the world that we live in. But Jesus is able to give you peace. In John chapter 16, verse 25, we look at verses 25 through 33 today. It's the last section of this talk that he had with his disciples. I want to ask you, if you're physically able, would you join me in standing as we honor the Word of God. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. Jesus said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, And I do not say to you that that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray together. Father, help us today to understand what it means that Jesus has overcome the world. And I pray for every person present. Every person that's watching or listening, I pray today that they would find their hope not in their money, not in their status, not in their intellect, but in Jesus. Give us a peace today that the world can only promise, that we might find our rest in you. For it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand, and as Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand, we, we all need to understand as well what it means that Jesus went to the cross, what he accomplished for us, and how he made it possible for us to have peace. And Jesus begins by, by talking to them about the love that the Father has for them. And so he, he teaches us that when we come to believe in him, As the Son of God, the Father loves us. Now, I know that God loves the world. One of the most best-loved passages in all the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. I know that based on what the Scripture teaches me, I can go up to any person I've never met before and with all confidence and assurance tell them that God loves them because the Bible tells us that God loves them. But you may have love for your neighbor. Christ has called us to love our neighbor. But that doesn't mean that you love your neighbor like you love your son. And when we come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Father, the Father comes to love us as his own child as he adopts us into his family. And we become sons and daughters of God. And I don't know if you've, ever really experienced even earthly love. I know there are people that could honestly say they weren't loved by their parents and they've never been loved by anyone. A few people have had such a tragic life. But if you've ever experienced love, love from a parent, love from a spouse, love from a child, if you've ever experienced love, you know how precious it is. The Lord has blessed me with, with many things. But if I had to choose to only keep one, I would want to be loved. That's how precious love is. To know that there's somebody that, that deeply cares genuinely about you. And I have that with my wife. And I have it with my kids. But the Bible also teaches me that I have that relationship with God. And you can have it too when you come to believe in Jesus as his son. Jesus taught us this. He said, well, what does this have to do with having peace? Well, our peace is found in our relationship with him, who he is and what he can and does do for us. You see, Jesus, he revealed the father He revealed the Father. He he uncovered Him so we might know who He is. He revealed the, the Father to His disciples and to us. In verse 25, He says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Jesus, having come out of the grave and His resurrected body, He went on to teach the disciples. And then he left them the Holy Spirit, who inspired them to write the New Testament that you and I can read today and can plainly read about who the Father is. Do you know there, according to polls and surveys, there are very few atheists in the world. Very few. Tiny slither of the global population. Most people believe that there's some type of God or higher being. And if you ask a person in America today what God is like, they'll often respond by saying, well, I feel like God is this, or I think God is this. And oftentimes they describe A God that resembles them. Or a God who is favorable to everything that they want to do. The problem with this is that you and I cannot invent truth. We must discover it. God is real. He exists. And when Jesus came and he taught the disciples, he revealed who God was. And the good news is, when he revealed who he was, he revealed that he was loving, gracious, and merciful. And that he loves us. And when we come to believe that Jesus is his son, he loves us like a father ought to love his child. So regardless of our home life growing up regardless of our home life in the present with our spouse or lack thereof regardless of our relationship with our children we are loved by our heavenly father and we can find peace in knowing that he loves and cares about us jesus Having revealed the Father, revealed that this is who he is. Early as Jesus had begun this talk, in chapter 14, here's what he says. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus himself, by who he was and how he lived, revealed the Father to the disciples so that they would know who God was and what God was like. And he revealed him to be a God of love who cares about us like a father cares for his children. Jesus revealed the Father, but he also Gives us access to the Father. The Bible says in verse 26, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Did you hear that? That we, we can go directly to the Father. He says, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. When we come to the point in our life that we believe in Jesus, he gives us access to the Father. Think about it in the Old Testament days as people first had that tabernacle, that very elaborate tent that was moved around through the wilderness. And there that tabernacle was maintained by priests. And inside was a restricted area called the Holy of Holies. Where, where people could, could not go in. Only the, the priests could go in. And only on a special occasion to offer sacrifice for the people. Later, when the temple was built in Jerusalem. Still there was that separation. There's the, the court of the Gentiles where Gentiles could go in and then there was where Jews could go in and, and then, then as you proceed in, then there was the, the Holy of, of Holies. It was once again restricted. Only the priests could go in once a year to offer Sacrifice. And yet the Bible tells us when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil that separated, it wasn't a solid wall. It It was a veil curtain that separated the Holy of Holies. It was torn from top to bottom. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said that, I don't say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. You can just ask him. And so today, right now, where you're sitting in this moment, you could speak to God and He would He would hear you because He He loves you. Many of us today would take effort to even get in touch with our congressman. And I don't know if there's a person in this room that's capable of getting in a phone call to the president. But in a second, you can speak to the God who created the world. And it's not because of who you are, but because of who he is. He loves you that much. So Jesus taught us that we were, we were loved by the Father. and He gave us access. He's able to do these things because he is God. Verse 28, he said, I came from the Father. You and I were all created and came into this world through birth, but Jesus came from the Father. And he said, I've come into this world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Well, the amazing thing about the love of God for us is that even in the midst of our worst worst failures, the Lord still loves us. You see, the, the, the disciples are, are, are all about to scatter. It's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to be scattered through your own homes. Peter, we know, would, would even deny even knowing Jesus three times, and he would be heartbroken and humiliated. And yet still, the Lord loved him. In verse 29, the, the disciples, they, kind of, they, they think they're beginning to understand. So his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe you came from God. The disciples, they're struggling to understand. And we don't need to be too hard on them. If we'd been there hearing it for the first time, we would be struggling to understand. There's passages I've read for 30 years I'm still struggling to understand. But understanding... And faith are a process in the life of the believer. It was a process for for those first disciples who became apostles and missionaries and pastors. And it's a process for us today as we begin to understand more and more about who God is. And as we begin to understand, we may have had a saving faith in the beginning, but that faith needs to grow and become greater as we depend more and more upon God. And as our understanding grows and our faith grows, that enables us to have peace because we understand where our hope lies, that it's not in this world. It's in the Lord. Jesus knew that his disciples would abandon him, and yet he loved them anyway. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. When you and I read about the crucifixion of Jesus, we weren't there to see it. We've only heard about it. And and we just have to imagine in our mind what it must have looked like. But do you know the same is true for all the apostles except for John? John's the only apostle that I know of that was recorded in Scripture as being present. Jesus said they'd all be scattered. As far as we know, none of them were even present to see him crucified. They were afraid Perhaps the reason that Peter denied knowing Jesus that night of his trial is because he knew that it was very possible for, that he would get caught up in this and be crucified as well. But on that day from the cross, Jesus would look at John, and he would say, John, behold your mother, talking about Mary. Mary, behold your son. He was asking John to take care of his mother like she was his own. Where were the rest? They were, they were scattered. They were hiding in fear. They were denying knowing him. And yet, Jesus, who already knew about that failure, before it ever came about, he already knew. And yet he loved them anyway. You see, God's love for you is not dependent on your perfection. It's dependent upon his character God doesn't love you because you're always perfect. He doesn't love you because you'll never fail. He he doesn't love you because he's looked into the future and seen there's never going to be a time where you never do anything wrong. No, he loves you because he is love. And you and I can have peace knowing that our relationship with him is secure. It's not dependent upon our perfection in the future. It's only dependent on his consistent, character, for he is love. When you begin to read the people in the Bible that God loved, many of them had done far worse things than any of us present here today. Some of them, even after committing to follow the Lord, did horrible things. And yet God continued to love them David David was a man who lusted after his neighbor's wife literally had an affair with her got her pregnant then murdered her husband to cover it up and then had the audacity and self righteousness to look God's prophet in the eye and try to condemn a man who had stolen a lamb Not even recognizing that the prophet Nathan was not talking about a lamb. He was talking about Bathsheba that David had stolen from Uriah. And you know what the Bible says about David in the New Testament? It says he was a man after God's own heart. Well, not in that moment, but throughout the rest of his his life. God knew all of their failures, and he loved them anyway. And God knows all your past failures, and he knows your future failures as well. And so when we come to believe and trust in him, yes, we need to repent, and we need to change. I'm not telling you that it doesn't matter if you sin. It matters because sin always has consequences. But I'm telling you, it won't remove you out of the family of God. You can have peace knowing that you are are his, and he is yours. As I look at the future of America, my future, it's uncertain. I don't know what my future finances are going to look like. I don't know what my future safety is going to look like. I don't know what my future health is going to look like. But I know what this looks like when I open my eyes for the first time in eternity, I'm going to see Jesus. That's the peace that we have. Peace in him. And nothing can take that away from us. And when I turn on the news, it might be discouraging. And sometimes I might look at a problem in my life and it'd be frustrating. But I can still have peace because of who God is. It's knowing what we have in Christ that gives us peace. Jesus said in verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus told his disciples that in the world they would have tribulation and the same is true for us. When you think about the trouble that we have in the world, today we suffer because of the sin of others. If you've never suffered because of the sin of other people, you probably don't know what a people is. We've all, in one way or another, suffered because of the sin of other people. We see people driving down the road today that are killed by drunk drivers. We see people that are sleeping in their home. And they're killed as people break in and steal. We see people who've saved all their lives and been responsible to the best of their ability with their money only to see it stolen through Ponzi schemes. We all suffer because of the sin of other people. In the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. We also suffer because of our own sinful nature. There are times in life that we do things that are absolutely self-destructive. We pursue them because they look good, look promising, and yet in the end they turn on us and bite us. We suffer because of the sin of others. We suffer because of our own sinful nature. And we suffer because we live in a fallen world world we look just at this past year at the pandemic this pandemic it's it's claimed three lives in our church it may claim more before it's over some of our seniors have just absolutely lost a year of quality of life as they've been isolated for a year from people it's just one more example that the world that we live in is not the world as God created it, but it's the world as sin has left it. So in the midst of this, our hope is found in this, that Jesus has overcome the world. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What does it mean that he's overcome the world? Well, it means that all of our problems here are temporary. They're temporary. They are in the scope of eternity, a fleeting moment. Because our greatest problem is that sin has separated us from God. And yet, Jesus solved that problem when he paid for our sin, making it possible for us to be forgiven. So that as he just told his disciples, he said, I I won't ask the Father on your behalf. You can ask the Father because the Father loves you. So, our hope is not in a a better economy next year, Uh, our hope is not in a cure for cancer. They they can find a cure for cancer. The world will just find another disease. That's, That's the world that we live in. Our hope is not in these things. Our hope is in Jesus. And that hope, it's not all reserved for the next life. When you begin to follow Jesus, the principles that he gives and the character that he teaches... Well, it works in this life as well. It'll save us from all kinds of problems. And in many cases, it'll lead us into all kinds of prosperity. Because the principles that God gives work. Jesus said that we could have peace. Even though in this world we'll have tribulation, we can have peace because he has overcome the world. So, I want to invite you today to find your peace in Him. Many people today are searching for peace in the wrong place. Jesus talked about, He said that He gives peace, but not as the world gives, meaning that His peace is not an empty, shallow promise, that His peace is real and can be achieved. And many people today are searching for peace in all kinds of things. Much of the world today is searching for peace in money. Money can make a lot of things more comfortable and a lot of things go a lot easier. But there's problems that money cannot solve. And I hope that you're not searching for your peace in getting more money. Some people are searching for peace in the image of their body. Seeking to look better, fitter, thinking if only they were a little slimmer if only they were a little more attractive if only then they would have more self-confidence they would just they would feel better about themselves they would finally have peace some people are looking for peace in a different relationship the grass always seems greener just on the other side of the fence for them if they were just with the right person, they would finally experience that all elusive peace that everyone else appears to have. Friend, none of these things can give you lasting peace. There's only one person who can give you peace, and his name is Jesus. So I want to invite you today to put your faith your trust in him, and let everything else that's to become secondary to him. When you pursue him with all your heart is when you'll find the peace you've been looking for. Let's pray together. Father, help us today to claim the promise that Jesus made that we could have peace in him. Lord, I pray for the person today that may be overwhelmed with guilt Help them to understand that you still love them. Lord, I pray for the person today that's struggling, perhaps with depression, anxiety. Lord, may they put their trust in you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Today as we sing, I want to invite you to respond. Maybe... Maybe you came here today overwhelmed, anxiety, fear, frustration. Maybe you've been trying all kinds of things to find peace in your life, but you haven't been able to find it. I want you to understand Jesus is what you're looking for. Today, if you were to call on him in prayer, you could be forgiven. You'd be given a new purpose in life. You'd have an eternal hope that can't be taken from you. You could have true peace. For those of us that have been saved, may our faith and trust be in him and in him alone. As we sing, I invite you to make your decision right where you are. If you need help or you want someone to pray with you, if you'll step out and meet me at the front, I'll be glad to pray with you and help you make your decision today. Let's stand as we sing together.